Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday, as always, at this time of the week. Remember, Football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us. 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. Uh, listen on News Talk. We're streaming the conversation as well, so you can uh, watch us on the Off the Ball digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to be joined on the line by the former Republic of Ireland international David Myler and in studio here with the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell, and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. David, um, delighted to be talking to you again for the new season. Have you, uh, summer- have you summered well? Have you been back to Cork? I haven't been to Cork, no. Um, I've got the two kids off school, so we're a bit full on with them and I'm trying to work on my golf game, so trying to get that all in at the same time. I've not been back to Cork, but I, um, we might come back towards the end of August just before they go back to school. This is probably a first ever on Football Saturday. We're all wearing shorts because Ireland has turned into Spain this week. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. It's, uh, it's indeed. It's... Uh... Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a different vibe, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very walking, strange. Walking around those streets I feel like outside. just William walking around in shorts, to be honest. Yeah. The uh, Pats yeah. game in Tallaght the other night, the atmosphere pre-game, everyone having beers out, out, outside the bar, is just, it was just like being on holidays. It was like, yeah, the, the, the Tallaght the other night, it was bit like being in a, a major tournament summer somewhere. Right. You know, do you know that vibe? Uh, yeah, yeah. Where you're sort of like, you're in around the shopping centre beforehand and it's just <laughs> everyone walking around in shorts, you know, and, and their jerseys and stuff. Very unusual, you know, very unusual. But um, I mean, I suppose, yeah. There's a, it's, it's, it's. Is it the new normal, Johnny? Johnny will get very energised if we start going down this road. But it's uh, a new normal, but it's going to get worse. Yeah, mm. something like that. It's tougher. I do have a lot of sympathy. I was looking at the Curra earlier, JD. It's on today, and it looks more like the Val. You know, it was just yellow, and uh, I have a lot of sympathy for, you know, people <clears> in do, trying to keep grounds intact and race courses intact, like League of Ireland grounds. You know, have basically had very little uh, water and it's hard with a lot of games and um, so it brings on a lot of complications in a sporting sense and um, I was just uh, like out on the bike briefly this week very briefly and I was wondering like how did the lads in the Tour de France cycle in 40 degree heat uh, and they did it and the guys playing the game today um, the early game Everton and Villa you could tell there were a couple of water breaks and you could tell it was it was difficult for them and didn't see the game last night but by all accounts uh, Shamrock Rovers were very, very tired at the end of their game from all their travelling and the weather and all that as well. But yeah, it doesn't make it easier when you're out there. Playing in extreme heat, David, did it happen many times in your career? Do you know what? Obviously, when I got sent through the topics and all that, what we were going to be discussing, I had a little think back. I can't remember too many games where uh, we had the heat like we do now. There was one time we were in Germany for pre-season and I do remember having two water breaks in the first half. Um it was just ridiculous. I think it was like touching on 40. And there was a time when we were with Sunderland, we were in South Korea. Um, and obviously with the humidity over there as well, it was just ridiculous. Like you'd warm up and like you couldn't pull your T-shirt off yet. You had to get people to help you because you were just soaked. Um, so like even I caught the end of Villa Everton there, like and you can see players going down with cramp. That's the big problem is obviously you're just drained and you're trying to get fluids back into you. That's why the water breaks are important. It might be a bit form for some people and they mightn't like it but it is really important for them yeah you just think how crazy it was that Ireland-Mexico game back in 94 like Ireland should be beaten 10-0 <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah no, like, and I mean, when you think that uh, originally the decision to bring the World Cup to Qatar was made with the summer in mind. Now, they just had to change it. But that would have been, uh, I know they had their air-conditioned stadiums or whatever the plan was, but that would have been a tournament full of Ireland-Mexico's, effectively, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, I suppose I'm thinking like the Ireland-Armenia game earlier this summer where that was played at five o'clock local time and probably tactically played at, well, I don't know, there might be TV elements to it as well too. And you can you can see it, you know, and and, and, I, and that's what I'm like, I don't know, like David, is there any difference between experiencing this at the start of the season or, or the end of your season? Or is it, it's just bad in every scenario, I would assume. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I guess for some of the players now who are, you know, this year with Qatar and a few things in it, like they the sports science people come to the fore really don't they in terms of sort of managing workloads and being careful with all the conditions you have to deal with at this time yeah and even even as you touched on there back in like you know USA 94 and that like nowadays everyone has GPS units on them um, you might see the odd player here and there when they take their top off they kind of got the sports bra on but they're all GPS which is tracked on your distances and like most teams nowadays do hydration tests so they know kind of what you know players should be taking you know fluid wise into their bodies but it's, it's like at times I think common sense doesn't prevail enough. Like if you're looking at certain games and certain stadiums that, you know, like I, I've got Man City on here, but some of the pitch is covered, which is fine. Mm. You know what I mean? There's areas and you can you can predominantly guess that they're going to attack on those sides because they're colder. Um, but like there should be almost some little, you know, slight fixes for games just because of the heat. Um, but that's probably dictated by television and money that they can't. Yeah, so we have Man City against Bournemouth, uh, Aston Villa beating Everton 2-1, as Johnny said. They're Arsenal and Leicester, Brighton and Newcastle, Southampton and Leeds and Wolves and Fulham, all three o'clock starts. So Nathan Collins starting for Wolves, Connor Ronan on the bench, Gavin Bazunu back in goal again for Southampton. Obviously looks like he's first choice there now. Uh, for Southampton at home to Leeds, Brentford against Man U at half five. So Johnny, uh, Everton can't score any goals. I think that's, I know they had Lucas Dini scored an own goal, their former player, but that's what it looked like to me on the television watching that, that um, they put a lot of players behind the ball. Uh, they can't score any goals. They don't have any strikers. They sold Richarlison and it's going to be a struggle for them. They sold Richarlison. They've been very unlucky with injuries, JD, but they, I mean, you're looking at them today and they're a team that is probably going to go down or go very close um, on that performance. To be fair to them, when they conceded the second goal, um, you know, they, they, did, they did try and they showed a little bit of like a late rally Onana came on he was culpable for the goal lost possession midfield both um, Villa's goals basically came from transitions from kind of winning the ball back um, and Danny Ings did very well for his goal he kind of turned in the box but Ever- Everton um, they, they do look like a team that's struggling a bit for belief and as you say they, they really lacked uh, verve up front uh, I, I'm, I haven't been looking at the markets or whatever in the betting but I imagine Lampard is going to be the, the manager that will be under pressure very very early and his, his opposite number today it's not like Gerrard isn't that long away from being under pressure as well because their form sort of derailed last season Villa weren't great to be honest I, I I mean the commentators were saying it was a very good game I thought it was okay it was played in hot conditions two teams that didn't have a lot of quality in the game in general um, but if you are an Everton fan you do wonder with Richardson gone and um, Calvin Lewin injured the other injuries that they've had I think the bright spark today was Onana when he came on Just he, he had a really direct run for the own goal that um, Villa couldn't deal with and he was good but I, I thought Frank Lampard you can already tell his body language at the end of the game 
team. He seems a little bit, little bit strained, a little bit under pressure. And you got to remember, like Frank, Lampard as a coach is kind of. Um, I think the jury is out in him. I don't know what what David makes of it all. Like he, I think he, he didn't get very long at Chelsea, but like at Derby, he he wasn't there very long either. And essentially, what, what he did at Everton was kept him up, but they stayed in the position they were when he took over. But I just look at sometimes you look at like Man United. And we talk about Man United as if they're the Man United of old, and you look at their starting eleven and like they're just not very good. And I do look at the starting eleven today. I don't know what you think, David. They're, they're just not a very good side. Oh, like I'm looking like I'll go back to your first point on Lampard. Um, coaching wise, you know, you hear hear different things. Um, Derby, I heard, you know, he was very good with the players, very good in the pitch, whatever. Um, obviously, he's now like he's got Ashley Cole with him, Paul Clement. Um, I worked under Paul Clement. I had him with the Ireland under-21s as a kid. Didn't remember a whole lot from that um, time. Certainly, I had him at Reading, and Paul is an excellent coach. Um, I would have questions over his man managing ability, but that's, I suppose, where Lampard comes in. That's kind of, he's an iconic figure in the game. There's no getting away from that. It's can he find the mix of, you know, being the manager and leaving the coaches carry out his philosophy? Because I do think Paul Clement is a superb coach. Look at his track record with Ancelotti. There's a reason why he brought him everywhere. Um, but touching on Everton, last week they huffed and puffed. Um, I think their home form is going to be crucial for them. Um, whether or not they can, you know, sustain enough to get enough points to kind of hold up. You would be concerned, obviously, losing, you know, Calvert Lewin to injury and selling Richarlison. You look and they're kind of hanging their, you know, hanging their hat on uh, Anthony Gordon. He seems to be the bright spark, anything positive they do. Like, in terms of Damari Gray, Alex Wobi, I'm not so convinced. Um, obviously, they can, ha- you know, they can have flashes of, abilities but are they going to carry you out throughout a season and you know be the difference in games i don't think so um so they're you know everton the question then kind of comes down are there three teams worse than them potentially <laughs> but will they get enough points i don't know and um, those games against your sides that we would all kind of put between 12 and 20 they're the games that they have to win um, and their home form is going to be crucial Sort of a mad discussion to be having about them, though. Like when you consider that, and I think David's completely right. Like I think that's where they're going to be. Um, or, you know, I think they're going to be in that discussion certainly. Um, but when you think a couple of years ago, some of the money that was put in, and um, there was a real discussion of that this could be the year they push into the top six, or you know they could be in there. And now you're like two games into the season, and quite reasonably expecting them to you know to to be to be down there, yeah, to be well, in that it, battle, which. Yeah. Which basically, to me, I mean, Johnny mentions um, Lamp- like I think Lampard and Hasenhutl are the two managers that are in the sort of frame that people think might be uh, departing early. Um, I, I think if if Everton are still in some kind of big relegation chat at Christmas, I'm not, I'm not so sure Lampard will be there. You yeah. know, I, I think I think I think you just get that that sense of volatility around the place that that could happen. Well, it's been a revolving door of managers like Cummins and Benitez and uh, Marco Silva. And I was reading a lot about the 30 years of the Premier League and one of the big five teams were Everton. And yeah. now look at them. It's, um, it's a very attractive job in some respects because, I mean, you, if you're a proper football person, Goodison Park is a fo- is a proper, proper football ground. They have massive and really almost like an outlier these days in the Premier League. They have extremely like passionate support. And it is a job that like would would be very engrossing to take. Um, but, I mean, was it last season, I think, at one point, J.D., the bottom six teams had all sacked their manager. And as Dan said last week, the teams down there will basically, over the, li- the likelihood is if you're down there, you're going to sack your manager this season. Likelihood is Everton will be down there. So the likelihood is they probably will sack Frank Lampard. 
Yeah, well, it's Marchieri, um, you know, it's like they, they haven't really managed it well, have they? It's a bit like Man United, a very similar kind of situation. They've splashed the cash, but at boardroom level, at executive level, you haven't seen, you know, really good management and players on inflated wages and that kind of thing. Mm. They don't have any striker. They're, like, who's going to score 15 goals plus for Everton this season? And that's like, I know they brought Connor Cody in and, you know, they, brought, they look probably better from the back forward through the pitch, but who's going to score them 15 goals? Is Calvert Lewin going to score 15 goals? He's out for a while now. Um, what about Gerrard? Uh, David, because Bournemouth was a poor result last week, and Michael mm. Beale's gone to QPR now. Like he obviously did well at Rangers, won a title. But where does the discussion around Steven Gerrard go? Is it just a, like for a couple of years for him to just to kind of find his feet in, uh, I suppose, a, a rung up from Rangers at Villa? Uh, do you know what though, JD? After last week's performance and the result, there was a lot of talk about you know Villa fans were unhappy, um, and as it was Johnny touched on there, towards the end of last season they did drift off. Um, and there was a lot of criticism came his way. Like Stevie will know if he doesn't finish top ten, he's going to be under pressure. Um, they've invested some money. Um, they've got, which I think, a very good squad. Um, certainly, I would put them in the top ten of the Premier League. But they've got to get results. Like even today, I think the big thing he'll take out of that. Yes, they scored the two goals on the counter attack. It was more kind of like, like I said, I caught the last kind of five ten minutes of it. They were hanging on. Martinez made two good. You know, two, three good saves. Tyrone Mings made a great uh, tackle on Rondon. Like, that was kind of a bit more character building for them to get kind of that, we can do this, we can see the games out. Even Danny Ings's post-match interview kind of said, you know, you got to grind out these results. With Stevie, you know, obviously, as you said, Michael Beale's gone. He's brought in, is it Neil Critchley from Liverpool? Um, obviously, he's got Gary McAllister. He's got some experience. I know Stevie does a lot in the pitch himself. Um, I think it's just... The Premier League is one of those leagues that all of a sudden you could have three, four games where they don't go particularly well. And, you know, fans do turn very quickly. And then all of a sudden you find that little bit of pressure. And then owners, this, you know, Johnny said there, the, the bottom six managers all end up getting sacked. And if, you can, if, if you're not getting those results, um, you will be under pressure. And, you know, clubs will look to turn over managers to get someone in to try and give them that new bounce and that new lift. But... I, I'd expect Stevie to be fine. I expect him to be in the top 10, give it 9, 10, um, finish in those kind of positions. I think they should have too much quality if they can keep players fit. Goals in the championship. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Bristol City won, Wigan nil, and two goals for Rotherham, 2 0 lead against Reading. Rotherham uh, going well, JD. Yeah, Benny going well. Mm. And Millwall nil, Coventry won, no goals in the Premier League in three o'clock kickoffs, and Aston Villa 2, Everton 1, as we said. A lovely text in here in 53106. This lineup of the show, Football Saturday, are the first team starters. It's a long season. I understand the need for squad rotation, but this is my favourite lineup, even though I worry you might be all a bit too nice. Yeah, my mother, she hasn't texted in a while, actually, but that was nice. Um, do I want to call I want to call David on that. Do you, do you reckon it's Villa are a top 10 team looking at them today? I I don't, like, I, I can't say I know an awful lot about these slew of teams, like the teams that are coming up. Watch Fulham last week, thought they were good. Bournemouth here are, so they're a nil all against Man City. So these are the teams we're obviously expecting to be down there playing uh, 10 behind the ball. But um, I don't know, looking at Fulham last week, I don't know if Villa are, are good enough to not necessarily be down there in the relegation um, kind of area, David. If if they were to hit a slump in form, I, I certainly wouldn't be mad comment about them finishing top half. Well, I'm I'm not saying top half. I'm kind of saying on the half. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to kind of claim that mid division. Yeah, mid division. Um, like the question is, can you find ten teams worse than them? Um, I probably have to rack my brain here to think of ten teams, but certainly the three promoted. Um, Everton, there's four. So you're so already Hampton looking Wolves. at Wolves. Yeah, there you go. I think they're better Leeds. than them. 
Leeds, mm. yeah, that's another one. Brentford. So we're at what, seven? Brentford, yeah, so we're, I'm at an eight, nine. I'd, I'd like to think that they're better than all those. Mm. Um, but, like, how many goals is Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins going to score? Like, Danny Ings has always been a goal scorer. His problem hasn't been scoring goals. His problem has been keeping fit. Mm. Um, Ollie Watkins, I think he's a very um, hot and cold striker. Like, he had a great opportunity towards the end there. He went through. He should just lift that ball over the goalkeeper. Um, I don't think he'll he'll get you seven, eight goals. But, like, then you look at, like, the creativity. Wendia, Coutinho, uh, Leon Bailey, they should be getting... 1-0 Man City. Gundogan. They should be getting seven, eight assists. Do you know, that kind of way. I'm, I'm just looking at them thinking there's enough there. I'm a big fan of Martinez and goal. Um, look, time will tell. Obviously, their home form is going to be crucial. It is a beautiful place to go play football. A lot of teams mm. enjoy that. It was one of the grounds we all look forward to. Even today, you look at, I remember Martin O'Neill, Martin O'Neill saying years ago that the groundsman never wanted um, anyone to play on the pitch because he loved it so much. Um, huh. It just, it's beautiful. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hanging my hat in it. That's where I expect Villa to be. I imagine Villa fans expect to be up in that, you know, that 10, 9th, 8th spot um, looking to build for Europe in the next two years. But, you know, time will tell. Assist for Haaland here. Yeah, yeah assist for Haaland, JD. Obviously, he did a great game mm. last week. And just a lovely little instinctive hooked ball on the left foot into Gunnuan. And you're hoping that uh, initially I thought Travers had actually saved it. But uh, no. Well, Travers has had a very good start to the game. Mm. He's made two big saves in the first 10 minutes, including one one-on-one when the ball could have been squared to Haaland. He's actually started well. But, I mean, they are, they are sort of... They're not not by design, but they're, they've been camped on the edge of their own box, Bournemouth, just because they've been pegged back in, in the bits I'm seeing. But think about Jared though, like what? I was just I shouldn't have looked there at the longest serving managers beyond Klopp and Guardiola, which, which are the two obvious ones. And like, there's, there's only four more in the Premier League that have been there for more than three years at their club. So it'll be Thomas Frank, who again came up. So it wasn't all while in the Premier League. Hassan Hootel, Brendan Rodgers, and Graham Potter. You know, and mm, not a lot. And when you think about it, like that's that three years included COVID, which was there was a football shutdown, so it almost it gave everyone probably an extra, you know, four or five <laughs> months of job security. <laughs> so like, it's completely blown the stats. You know, it's like, uh, you know, so there's a lot of longest serving managers probably at some of the trigger happy clubs just because it was during COVID. So it it does show that, and and this is the thing. Like you talk about the teams that maybe are in the bottom six, they'll generally change their manager. Um, although I think I suppose Brighton have kept patience with. Potter at times I know they dumped Hutton and then and they had one season with Potter where they were down there a bit but like the mid-table ones I think just sometimes if you're a mid-table manager you just get to a point where it's like well we can't break into that top six sort of we can't break that sort of ceiling so and you're just about safe so then everyone just seems to get a bit bored with you like Hassan Hüttel seems to be in that sort of vibe now where it's he like he said he wants to leave like he's, so. he's started talking a bit but I think of just maybe a burnout factor as well too well like it was a story in the papers this week about the players being unhappy with yeah him, so you, see that? you see that you see that you see that stuff starting to seep out but like he has done a very good yeah, job absolutely there but not like, he, like what, he's probably done as much as he also can yeah. so like maybe the pragmatic thing then is to get out because cause it can only get worse if you overstay your welcome be an Alan, Cur- be an Alan Kerbishley yeah well, this is, yeah well this is the thing but see Gerard like how long how long into his stay at Villa does he reach I mean he, I know he's not there that long but like if they, if they sort of you know 10th, 11th something like that whatever way they turn out to be after a season or two people just start to grumble about you anyway 
Yeah. That's it, you're done. About a week in this mm. world. Um, 53106, if you want to get involved with a text message. What about early in Haaland, David? Like last week, yeah, like even today, the strength he's shown there for that assist uh, just you know, poked it through to Gundogan 1 0. He looks the real deal. I, 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 a lot of people would have, you know, maybe been questioning can the Bundesliga mm. form transfer? But from what we've seen, the very early stages so far, it's been positive. Yeah, well, look, it's it's clear and obvious for everyone to see who's watched him, uh, certainly in the Community Shield or last week. It's his movement. The thing that's impressed me the most is he's six foot four and his turn of pace is frightening. Um, like, even just as you said there with the assist for Gundogan, that's pretty straightforward for a player of his ability. It was the next one. Rodri's tried to clip a little ball over the top, right? And he's judged that it's going to go over the first and a half, and he's already backed into the second one to kind of knock him off stride, where he's a very educated player, and he's very smart in the way he goes about in his movement. Look, I said, I outrageously said at the start of the season, he wouldn't score more than 20 Premier League goals. My concern was his fitness. Um, he does pick up some muscular injuries. Um, but if he stays fit, and the amount of goals he scores is going to be ridiculous. Um, it will be the difference for Man City in big games and big competitions because he has everything. He's uh, he's incredible. It might, it might look like one. Like David Conley was saying before the season on OTBAM, he was like, I'll be amazed if he's not top scorer. And uh, I, it did get me thinking because a lot of people have spoken about how he'll react. But what David is on about there, that ball from Rodri, I think we're going to see an awful lot of that JD this season like we saw it with De Bruyne's pass last week this ball was dinked over the top and it's that movement and it's he's between centre-backs it's a nightmare for centre-backs to deal with and as much as it's 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 ne- nearly impossible to be um, romantic about this Manchester United project or Manchester City project rather in terms of you know the ownership and the money they spend the fact that like he was around the ground as a kid when his dad was there and he's kind of coming back to a generation later is is a pretty cool thing and he's an awesome footballer and it's just going to be a lot of fun watching him because he's this battery ram playing this beautiful game with all these amazing players around him and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun watching him if not for defenders but David do you think because um, I, I don't know like I'm just fascinated to see how, how he gets on Haaland and I, every game he's in it sort of elevates it because you're what's he going to mm. do do you think players coming up against him are sort of secretly buzzing to be playing against him and dying to see what he's like or a little bit terrified like is it different if you're in different areas of the pitch you know are, are centre halves a bit apprehensive or do you think parts of them is going to be like oh, I just can't I mean they want to see what he's like too if you know what I mean Mm. Yeah, well, there, I think you'll get, you know, Daniel, get probably a mixture. Like, uh, I can only go off my own, um, my own memories of playing against, like, you know, your Manchester United's Liverpool's. I cherished playing against Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes, like Vieira. Um, like that was, for me, that was that was where the bar was set. That they were your best midfielders, and you wanted to test yourself against them and to actually see how good they were. I relished those challenges. Like you can imagine, like a couple of Bournemouths and a half's going out today, like kind of going, like it's 32 degrees, like we're away. Do you know what I mean? The crowd are excited to see him at home here for the first time. Like, you know, you're in for a proper duel. Some, some stray away from it, some embrace it. Um, and like you see there, once he gets a little assist, you know, his tail's up. He's thinking, right, where's my goals? We spoke there about Foden should square one for a tap and he doesn't. He'll be annoyed. He'll be moaning. Like, He'll be all go. I imagine he'll probably play the same as last week, probably 75, 80 minutes. But like, he's, these defenders are going to, you hope that they're going to relish the challenge of playing against them. But 
We're in for a long afternoon. He's not really JD the type of player you'd necessarily think, oh, I can get in this lad's ear, I can do a bit of sledging here, and I'll, I'll go. <laughs> I mean, I just wouldn't try that with Haaland. To, to the David Clifford's about it. Arsenal <laughs> won Leicester nil, by the way. Gabriel Jesus scoring for the Gunners. David, like you mentioned those players, like you just list off sort of Scholes and Vieira and, and, and a couple of the other, Gerard Lampard. I'm trying to think, like, you know, was there one early meeting you had with any of those players? Like, can you remember who was the first real superstar you came up against? And did it live up to your expectations? Like, did they live up to your expectations? Were you on the pitch going, oh, yeah, like, th- this is another level, if you know what I mean? Well, the, I'd say the, the very first eye-opener I had, I think I've spoken of before, was when I was at Sunderland. Um, I'd have probably been... I think I just turned 20 at the time. And we went to Stamford Bridge to play Chelsea away. Um, I spoke about well, playing in the middle of the park. Um, so I, I just remember, you know, before the game, Steve Bruce called myself and Jordan Henderson to the shower because you obviously with the change rooms, you have a lot going on with players getting rubs, getting strappings, whatever. So he's just pulled the two of us in the shower and he's, he's like, Myler, you're up against Lampard. Jordan, you're up against Balak. Um, and he said, look, two incredible players, lads, but their legs have gone. You'll run all over them. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, like we're going now, this would have been 2009, I'd say, right? And I just remember after 20 minutes, Lampard running off with his hand in the air after scoring to make it 3-0. And I don't know if you've watched the um, Arsenal all or nothing, but, you know, Arteta, I get why he did the, you'll play, he played the, you'll never walk alone. But he said, like, there was a moment where he just kind of stood still in the game and he just didn't know what was going on. I had a bit of that where I was just like, these boys are just zinging the ball around, like, for fun. And like Lampard is just doing whatever he wants and there's nothing I can do. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like mm. I was I was in a state of, you know, shock. I couldn't I couldn't move. I was trying my best to press him, close him. Um like another another example when I um played against Manchester United, I remember I was told, you know, get after Paul Scholes because he'll drop in as kind of you know, the deep line midfield playmaker. And a couple of times I went after him and he just popped the ball off. Um and then I thought, you know, I was about to maybe the third or fourth time I went to press him and I kind of went at 50% thinking he's just going to pop it off and I can save myself. But that second I didn't press him, he turned and zung a ball over our left back for, I think it was like Nanny running or something. And I was just like kind of going, wow, he's anticipated. Like he's had a little look to see I'm not coming, turned, just done it in in like poetic motion. Um, But like, look, I I could give countless stories of moments where you just think like, like the best way to explain it, I always find is like, I've got six-year-old and a three-year-old. It's like when I play football with them, that's how I felt. I was like the six-year-old with some of these, where they're just, they, they're playing a different game. Jordan Henderson was like the three-year-old. Well, no, I, I'll go, I'll give him the six-year-old. That was the three-year-old. <laughs> Can I ask um, you on that? Like, did, did you, when Bruce said that to you, did he believe that or was it a type of man management thing where it's like, you, you believe in yourself here, you're capable? Like, because when a manager says that something to you that proves to be in, incredibly inaccurate, basically, do you start questioning the manager? Are you thinking, oh, he's just trying to G us no. up here? I, I think you, you look at it, he's trying to like, like you got to think, right? Jordan had made his debut for Sunderland when we got, uh, that was under Roy. I think we were beating 5-0. I was on the bench. That was kind of our, he came on at half time, but that was our kind of our first start at Chelsea. That was, that was your, the team of like Terry Ivanovic, like your Drogba, like, you know, they were incredible. Um, So I think it was kind of like a little psychological thing of like trying to boost us up without like, you know, like there's no doubt that he knew that Lampard and Balak were still flying. Like Lampard was still playing for England. Like Balak was still playing for Germany. 
Um, that would have been probably South Africa 2010, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, that time. So like he knew that they were more than capable, but I think he was trying to G us up. It was never a question of, you know, looking at the manager kind of going, he's talking nonsense. I think he was just kind of trying to put some confidence in us. But we ended up losing 7-2 and I think we were 5-0 down at halftime. Yeah. Just on that, uh, David, uh, have you ever seen teammates bricking it when they're going to come up against a world-class player like a defender or anything like that? Yeah, I have. Um, I won't name names, yeah, but, yeah. Y- you know, you you do. Like, certainly I find I find it happens most to fullbacks when you're playing against, like, your top quality wingers, the ones who can flip a game in a second. Like, I, I've played against Hazard, I don't know, four, five, six times. And, like, he doesn't even tie his laces. He's just walking around. And then he picks up a ball and he dribbles past four. Um, like, it's just, it's effortless. There's no, like, it just comes naturally easy to them. Um, oh, like, what a goal. Manchester City. And it's De Bruyne at 2-0. Just comes easy oh. to him as well, JD. What a goal. Yeah, but, like, even, he's another one, like... Everything he does on a pitch, he makes it look easy, but it's not. Like, do you know what I mean? If it was easy, we'd be all doing it. But that's the, that's the beauty of these players. They're so capable of doing anything at any moment. Oh, that was class. Yeah, I think that's, the, I, that's why I enjoy watching De Bruyne so much. He has this sort of casual way of executing things. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's that whole thing about making it look easy. I mean... Cut in from the right and then from the outside oh. of the boot into the, into the bottom corner of the net. Fantastical. I, I could see why you had a Gary Lineker kind of moment there, JD. Uh, many of them. Mm. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. 2 0 to Manchester City against Bournemouth. Uh, also in the Premier League, we have uh, Southampton 0, Leeds 0, Wolves 0, Fulham 0, Arsenal 1, Leicester 0, Gabriel Jesus for Arsenal, Brighton 0, Newcastle 0, Aston Villa 2, Everton 1. Uh, in the Championship, Cardiff 1, Birmingham City 0 as a result. Blackpool 0, Swansea 0, the latest. Huddersfield 0, Stoke 0, Hull 0, Norwich 0 is the latest. Luton 0, Preston 1, so Preston scoring. Uh, Millwall nil, Coventry two, Rotherham three, Reading nil, Sunderland one, QPR nil, and Wigan nil, Bristol City one. And in Scotland at the moment, it is Rangers nil, St Johnston nil, St Mirren nil, Ross County nil, Livingston one, Hibernian nil, and Aberdeen nil, Motherwell one. We've got to take a break. Before we do, I want to give you the chance to win a pair of tickets to our Cadbury FC Roadshow at Vicar Street in Dublin next Wednesday, August 17th. So Michael Owen. Ian Wright, Emma Byrne and Karen Carney are our guests on the night for the exclusive off-air event. Tickets are available at otbsports.com forward slash events. For your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Roadshow on the night, just answer this question. Michael Owen ran from the halfway line for England to score at the 1998 World Cup against which team? To enter, text your name, where you're from, your answer as well to 53106. We'll reveal the winner before the end of the show. David Myler, Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday on Off the Ball here after this. The previous managers who have led Irish teams to group stages, Michael O'Neill and Stephen Kenny, both went on to manage internationally. Stephen Bradley could definitely have those ambitions down the line. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five this evening. This is Football Saturday, and Manchester City have just gone three 0 up against Bournemouth now with Phil Foden on the mark. Look at the quality of the ball in. I actually don't even know. I'd say at, a, at an educated guess, it's it's maybe Silva. I I didn't actually see this little dink in to Foden. Uh, we'll see the replay now, but it's a beautiful, beautiful goal again. David, you could kind of tell it was going to be a long afternoon for Bournemouth when this fixture was announced. 
you can just you know what JD the way this Man City team play is just they just suffocate you they just keep the ball and they just wear you down they say on average you have to knock the ball from side to side five or six ah, times De Bruyne De Bruyne oh yeah it's the first one like Travers they'll be a bit disappointed with this one now um, yeah, it's a great move takes a slight ah, deflection yeah. sort of off his chest he'll be yeah the deflection's a bit deceiving he probably won't be you know he'll, he'll judge himself by high standards Travers he'll be a bit disappointed with that one now but um, if you're a player here David for Bournemouth do you mentally and physically half down tools now and say this is 32 degrees we're 3-0 down preserve yourself for next week no I, me personally no I'm I'm arguing kicking and whatever like mm. you look at the, where that initially starts Ryan Christie tries to lay it back to Jack Stacey it's a bad pass. Then mm. you're kind of saying, like, it's hard enough playing against Manchester City away from home where you know they're going to dominate 75% possession. You can't afford to turn over the ball. You need to, like, yes, I get it. Teams are trying to play this open, expansive football now, but if you give these players time and space, they will clean you out. Um, and you can see that, like, City are 3-0 up now. They probably should be 4-5. Um, and it's it's one of those that you can imagine at halftime is you've got to take your medicine and, can we not concede anymore? Because Bournemouth are a team that are going to be down there at the end of the season and goal difference does matter. Mm. Um, it's yeah, invaluable. Point, yeah. Yeah. You know that you just have to say, look, it's kind of one of those now you can imagine Scott Parker saying, look, lads, you take a bit of pride in your performance. You know, let's go out and, you know, try and win the second half or draw the second half or get about the first and kind of stay in this game. Um, but if you keep committing bodies forward, if fullbacks keep pushing on, like City are going to have a field day. Well, Scott Parker won the best jacket of the day anyway um, if anybody saw that jacket it's At least the centre halves can say they kept Haaland scoreless anyway you know this yeah. this, this can be you know listen you know, the problems were further <laughs> it's, on it's all about um, we did, I know he made a goal linings, isn't it? I know yeah. he made a goal but I mean it, all, it happened further up you know yeah Arsenal 2 Leicester nil. Gabriel Jesus with a second this thing the City are so good uh, David Myler that like a player like Jesus there's a World <laughs> Cup coming up goes to Arsenal and can really add something to them well, that was a big thing there was always the question mark over him would he be able to you know, fill in, fill the shoes of Aguero. I don't think he ever truly got enough game time to be able to, for us to make that assumption. We saw him in spurts of 15, 20 minutes in games, and then he'd go through a little period of starting three or four. But back in the last season, he was fantastic, scored a lot of goals. And then you look at him, he gets his move to Arsenal under a manager who knows him from, you know, Arteta's time at Man City. He's an incredible preseason. And now he's just, he just... He's one of those that looks like he's happy. He's playing with a smile on his face. Like his first finish is exquisite. He cuts in from the corner. He kind of scoops a curly shot into the top corner. It's a lovely goal. Um, but he's taken he's taken that on from kind of last season, pre-season in. Can he be the man to score? Well, Arsenal are going to need um, certainly one striker to be getting the bones of 18 to 20 Premier League goals this season if they want to be you know, up in the top four. Um so is he going to be that guy? If he can stay fit and play games, he'll create chances and he's a good finisher. 53106 could listen to Myler all day. What a legend. Fantastic listening all around as always. It's a great distraction from following Man United, says Joe. <laughs> um, well, anything's a good distraction from Man United, JD. Yeah. Where'd you begin? You do wonder though, if like if City are a city with Holland, what do you make of, of Liverpool from last week, David? Are the rest like... I mean, you're really reliant on City kind of uh, having a sort of an off-season. If, if, if you add Haaland to City and they click, and they're obviously clicking here, this could be a cakewalk this season. Well, if you look at you look at the past few seasons between City and Liverpool, um, they're both turning out 90-plus points, right? 
the, the times they don't really drop points at home. Like if you look at Liverpool, I know Van Dijk has got some crazy stat. I, I don't even know if he's lost at Anfield in the league. But City are the same. You'd expect them in, in their 18 games respectively. I'd expect both teams to win, you know, 16, 17 of those. Obviously, when they play each other, they're a bit of a toss-up. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot between them. Um, but every other team don't really come close to them. And certainly at home, they have that advantage. Liverpool is, you know, Anfield, I should say, really, is probably a tougher place to go for teams. And they do, you know, teams do crumble in the tunnel um, going out. But it's just like, OK, Liverpool had the result last week, but you do know that they're going to come good and they'll just kick on. Um, like City will probably have a slip at some stage away from home. They'll just have one of those days where nothing will go in. Somebody will nick, you know, nick a goal on them. But. It's it's just fascinating because the two of them are so good. And then, like, obviously, you've got the element of Haaland coming in. You've got Nunes coming in, which are kind of both both similar in their attributes, but so different to what Jurgen and Pep have done. Um, more so Pep than Jurgen. But, like, Nunes looks the real deal, the way he throws himself about. You look at the impact he made off the bench against uh, Fulham. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he'll start this weekend. But, you know, it's... It's interesting. It's certainly be a fascinating season to watch these two teams go toe to toe again. You 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 seem more sure about Liverpool. Like I I I know you were slagging me last week about like my overreaction on the Fulham forums, but Klopp was like really angry after the game, and you do wonder if Liverpool don't start that well. I mean, they've obviously lost Thiago now for I think he's out for like five or six weeks. Yeah, um, a lot of injuries. Kanate's injured. Josh is injured. Um, yeah, I think his Matip injured as well. They've um, yes. They've, so they've they've lots of uh, and it's kind of obviously integrating new players in as well. I, I I do just wonder. It, it'll it'll be a big couple of weeks, I think, for Liverpool because I I I thought that was just such a list listless performance last Saturday. It was totally unlike them, and maybe they were a bit unlucky with the penalty. But uh, you're watching Man City here, and you're like, I'm not sure they can afford to go that far behind them, even early. No, they can't. Like like I said, these teams are gonna like in a 38 game season, they're going to win oh, 28, 29, potentially 30 of those games. But they're not going to slip up in many. Like, obviously, Liverpool ha- already have one. I think you're going, if you, if you actually, I'm not saying you know, but people, I've seen a lot of people, you know, trying to take take the mick about him complaining about the grass. Teams do that, and it, it is massively, it does massively affect you. We did it at Hull. Anytime we played a top team, you know, you don't, you don't wet the ground because with a wet pitch, the ball slips along the surface, and that suits a Man City. That suits Liverpool because it's slick. Like, don't get me wrong, that's not the reason Liverpool lost. The reason why Liverpool lost, or drew that game, sorry. Yeah, um, it felt like a lost JD, but um, the whole thing was, was, there was a lack of hard commitment and fight in them, which we've always seen. Like, Fulham brought the intensity of that game, and they outworked them. Um, It was like, it's something that you wouldn't ever put with the Jurgen Klopp side, and certainly this Liverpool side is, Fulham were more hungry last weekend. Um, they really wanted it and they went about their business really well. If that game had been at Anfield, it'd probably been a totally different story. Like even even for like Virgil giving away the penalty, like I, it was poor defending for a defender that is so good. Um, it's you know that mistake of not anticipating. He he had a tough afternoon. Um, you know Mitrovic caused him problems, which is unlike him. Um, considering how well he dealt with Haaland the week before, and they're similar in their stature and their size and their presence but look Liverpool will, will be fine I know they've got some injuries I think the big thing for City is they have players 
certainly now adding Haaland. They have players who can turn a game on the flip of their head. I think Diaz is one of those for Liverpool, of course. They've got Salah. Um, Nunes, I think, will, will offer a lot more than Firmino in terms of, you know, that presence up there. Um, but... Going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch the two teams. Your your perspective on JD that you, you think Spurs uh, will do well. I think there might be something in the fact that Spurs, Arsenal, maybe Chelsea that the gap mightn't be that great between Liverpool and those sort of teams. And I do wonder will it be a two horse race? We, it'll be very interesting to see how that game goes um, between like these are two heavyweights and I, I I don't know Spurs Spurs look like they have a serious attacking team this season. Um, and they, they've they've started with uh, you know they started in a mess last season. So I do wonder is is the, has the gap closed? Probably a good thing if it has to be fair. Yeah, David. Tomorrow is going to be fascinating. Uh, Chelsea Spurs. Uh, this is a test of Spurs now to see where how far they've progressed under Conte since they lost about three times to Chelsea at the start of the year. Well, I would I would look at I think the major factor for Spurs this season is Conte. Um, I think if you're a football fan, you've got to admire him. Um, Never mind if he supported a club you don't like or whatever, but the work he did at Chelsea, Juventus, like there's there's a feel good factor about Spurs. I like the signings he's done. Obviously, retaining Harry Kane was important. Um, I think they're the third best team. I think Chelsea are. I'm not sure about Chelsea. I watched them last weekend and I wasn't overfilled with confidence watching them against Everton. Um, like Tuchel needs a number nine. Um, obviously, I know people will say, they'll be quick to say to me, they signed Lukaku, but I don't think, as you know, square pegs and round holes, I don't think he was the the, the player for them. Um, obviously, there's big talks about Bamiyang, who, who Tuchel knows well. And obviously, he'll know his playing style and his philosophy. If they were to get him, he'd be massive. Arsenal, you just, it's a very young side, you don't know, but certainly, I think Spurs are number three, and I think they should close the gap. I think they will be there, there, both, but I, I still think they'll come up a little bit short. Is the documentary any good, by the way, Arsenal? Have you guys seen it? I've not seen it yet. No, I'm interested to hear the reviews. David? It, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge football fan, JD. I watch a lot of football. I'm always curious, even though, look, I've been fortunate to be in positions, um, like obviously as a player, to see different things. I'm always fascinated to see how they go about it. Like, it gave me an eye-opening into Mikel Arteta. Like, he does some unique things, I should say, um, that I've not seen before. Like, the, you'll never walk alone and, while they're training. Um, he speaks about, like I touched on it earlier there, about his experience at Old Trafford, or not at Old Trafford, at Anfield, sorry, with um, Everton. Games kind of passed them by, um, and he didn't want his players because they're a young squad. He wanted to try and get them used to the atmosphere by playing, you know, the music. It's a different approach, but there was another one with, he gets them all in the circle and in the change room, and they all start rubbing hands, and then he says, feed off the energy from your teammates. Bit different. Um but I, you know, I'm curious. It's not, know. it's not David Brand, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's you what? There's times it feels like it, right? Um, but they win the game. I can't, I, th- I can't remember who they play. But they win the game, and like, there's a, there's a great sense of humour after. It was interesting to see like Ramsdale after one game, they win the game three one, but he concedes late on, and like they're kind of celebrating the change room after winning, and he, like he's just sitting there with his hands in his head because he's fuming. Um, because, you know, he's conceding, he wants that clean sheet, and then they kind of try and pick him up and give him a lift. You know, it's, it's. I think any football fan, if you're if, if you're really into football, you should you should give it a watch. I think at the moment, there's only three episodes. I'm kind of waiting for the next batch to be released. Not sure why they do it that way, but I'm enjoying it. 
Yeah, I, I have been meaning to watch it. I'm just wondering, David, like you've been in dressing rooms and you know mm. what dressing rooms are like. Like with these shows, the, and there's been various versions of them now. Like there was obviously the Sunderland Till I Die one as well, which was very uh, frank in parts. Like, do you buy it? Like, do, do, do you recognise the dressing rooms that you see in it? Or do you think they have to be conscious in some ways of the camera presence? Well, I heard a little birdie in a tree told me about, do you remember the one of Scott Parker? Um, at the end of last season, there was the, um, he had that, they were playing Fulham. Do you remember um, Kamar Roof scored, or not Kamar Roof, um, Kiefer Moore scored yeah. in the last minutes, kind of getting promoted. And there was a big thing about him at halftime. That was edited back. There was a lot more in that. There was a lot more shouting and screaming and effing and blinding. Um, somebody did tell me that was edited back who was there. Um, so like there is a there is also a sense that it's not all hugs and rainbows. Like there are moments when there's a lot of language used. Um, like that could be coach on player, player on coach, player on player. You know what I mean? These are it's high stakes. You know what I mean? There's times when arguments do you know do kick off and whatever. So like when you're looking at some of them certainly with the bigger teams, if they come in and they're losing, you know that not everyone's sitting down kind of going, come on, guys, we're okay. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Certainly if you've got big personalities in your changing room, like the one I would have loved to have seen would have been the United team of the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, those games against Arsenal and those changing rooms. That's that's the epitome. Like, you know, the stuff about Mourinho sneaking into changing rooms and he's suspended. Like, I feel, I now feel when I watch these documentaries, like managers and players are aware of cameras there will be moments when they will forget, but certainly it's almost subconsciously they know that they're there and they're being recorded, that you can't fully say what you want to say. You can't express yourself because like some of the stuff said in football is totally unacceptable, but yeah. it's kind of, it's the way it is. Yeah. Um, halftime scores, Arsenal 2, Leicester 0, Brighton 0, Newcastle 0, Man City 3, Bournemouth 0, like Haaland, hard on watch, isn't it? It's fantastic. Southampton 0, Leeds 0 and Wolves 0, Fulham 0. Uh, 53106 for the texts uh, lads is this a Man City appreciation show can we hear a little bit more about some of the other teams playing today do the panel think Arsenal can challenge for honours they seem to have turned a corner well we've just spoken about them I mean, to be fair the Man City game is on the screen is on the, the studio and they're scoring a goal every 11 minutes <laughs> as per 11 and a bit minutes or whatever it is sorry no it's only 3-0 it's only sorry I was looking at Rotherham we were now 4-0 up about my maths there, yeah. Benny scoring there for Rotherham oh, as well right. again so, well I mean I'm looking at it I mean, on the other side you got Shane Long and Jeff Hendrick on the other side side and uh, yeah Reading like from their perspective it's not going to be a very uh, Paul Ince led dressing room at half time isn't I imagine going to be a very happy one but um, mm. Ogbena yeah Rotherham have started playing him up front like Stephen Kenny was okay. so he was playing as a wing back there yeah, they've yeah. now switched him uh, to a more attacking role and lo and behold he's starting to score uh, he's starting to score goals in the championship so yeah, it's good half, for him half time Rotherham 4 Reading nil. half time Blackpool nil. Swansea nil. half time Huddersfield 1 Stoke nil. Halftime, Hull one, Norwich nil. It Go on, is, the Tigers. Yes, oh, no. get in. <laughs> Halftime, Luton nil, Preston one. Halftime, Millwall one, Coventry two. Um, Sunderland two, QPR nil at halftime, and Wigan nil, Bristol City one at halftime. Uh, the guy's going to come from Crystal Palace to Coventry, hasn't he? The um, Tayo Adamarola, yeah, yeah, the twenty yeah. ones Irish from twenty ones international. Tayo, yeah. Tayo, apologise. Tayo, yeah, I had Tayo, I had Tayo with under seventeens. Oh, right. okay, yeah, because um, t- t- tell us about him then, because he seems to be quite very well regarded with, within the game by various coaches that have worked with him. Yeah, um, excellent young left back, very attack minded. Um, 
like he came in kind of I'm gonna say late enough to us. He didn't come into the start, but like you could see, I think there was. I, I imagine you'll you'll have seen from your research at times some videos that were posted of him playing for Crystal Palace. I don't know if it was the reserve team, U team, whichever, and he was just bombing forward. Um, you know, like he's an exciting young fullback, but uh, Palace do have young defenders in their fullback area, so that's one worried having but you know it's a fantastic move to Coventry obviously I worked with Mark Robbins I went there on loan um excellent manager he's got Eddie Vivash as his assistant it'll be really good for his development now to go and play men's football it'll be a great experience from I think he will be the one to come and play left back in a few years for Ireland really yeah yeah there, there is there is a vacancy there definitely in, yeah. the, in the sort of sh- medium term you know so I think Bagan at Cardiff is the other one that people are maybe talking yeah. about potentially as well but yeah, he, he could be our man. Yeah. Okay, got to take a break. David Myler, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday here. With thanks to Sky, remember Football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports in Scotland. Rangers won St Johnston nil at half time. Aberdeen won, Motherwell won at the break. It's Livingston won, Hibernian nil, and St Mirren nil. Ross County nil at half time as well and then the golf up at Galgorm Castle uh, it's Pian Chen and Georgia Hall sharing the lead with Amanda Darty. three players tied 11 under par with Leona Maguire having a disappointing day she's two over for a round through 13 holes of it she's six under par now and she's five shots off the lead in that tournament the uh, Hand a World Invitational up at Galgorm Castle. Women's Golf and OTB in association with KPMG, proudly supporting women in sport. 53106, you want to text us on Man United, Liverpool, anything else in the world of sport and the world of football. We'll be back with Dan, Johnny and David Myler between four and five after this. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off The Ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Listen on News Talk, streaming the conversation as well. You can watch us if you're out and about on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. Or if you're at home, search OTB Sports in your app store to download it if you haven't already. Delighted to be joined by David Myler on the line, the former Republic of Ireland international midfielder. Football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonald studio with us as is the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward 53106 John you're sitting there quietly and keeping your powder dry like most of us Spurs fans hoping we finally live up to expectations says Adrian in leash well Adrian really excited about tomorrow all the signings are over six foot I think there's going to be a bit of a nastiness to Spurs in the way that's an acceptable term for sports um, competition mm. and uh, like, like Eric Dyer I think has been really improved under Conte uh, Romero is a top class centre back got a bit of an edge to him Perisic you can see him bombing down that left wing Basuma's an addition to the midfield in terms of possession of the ball and then you have four forward players that are exceptional in Son Kane who've scored 40 goals between them the last two seasons in kind of reverse order last season Kulisevsky who is a battering ram an incredible player uh, if he stays fit a uh, young lad as well and then Richarlison, who will be on his best behaviour before the World yeah. Cup. So it's a very exciting time. Missing a point as well, Judy. They play in a, in a stadium where it is actually a real benefit to them. It's a really, really loud stadium. Yeah. It's a great place for to play under as a home player. And it'll probably be worth a few points. Some, you look at places like Old Trafford. Is that worth anything to Man United anymore? The Etihad, not the most atmospheric place. But you've been to Spurs Stadium and it, yeah. it's genuinely an experience. It's by a 22nd century stadium, lads. Mm. Um, the, the acoustics are off the scale. Mm. They are like, And there's a kind of a... They built 
both the 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 stand, the south stand, a bit like the cop, like a bit like a, on a slant, a bit mm. like a wall, and everybody stands. You really feel whoa. You really feel a sense of, and that's what Conte's tried to instill in Paratici, a kind of a power that they've had. Like they've got to put the logo on the bus now, and they got the the bus to the stadium and that kind of thing. They don't travel individually now, mm. so. Um, Good times ahead. Like, don't know how. Like, I think logo on the bus is where it all changed. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, 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 dr- I'm drinking the Kool Aid, lads. I just I'm, think the logo on the bus is the point where I'm like, this sounds like an athletic yeah, feature and yeah, what happened yeah, behind well, the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty the logo much. Logo went on the bus, and that's where it all changed. It's not. It's not, it's not that deep, lads. But he's brought this like like I was reading about the stories about South Korea when they went over there, and like Paris is actually one of the players who did so well when mm. they were just ran into the ground, and they've got a set piece guy they brought in contact just for set pieces alone. So. So, look, every club, every club probably has this kind of stuff. But as I said, I'm reading 100 articles a week on it. So, <laughs> yeah, this is how this is how it works now. Like the, the the algorithm churns out, you know, articles about a particular club. It's like you won't believe. Of, this is like the Frank Lampard <laughs> WhatsApp group that he had at Chelsea. The WhatsApp, the, he set up a WhatsApp group for the coaches. It was like, well, this is this is something else now. You know, yeah. this, this is another level. Um, but that's what's the thing about the game tomorrow. Um, like Chelsea's home form hasn't been that good at all over the last over the last year. Um, albeit I think Spurs is one of the exceptions to that you mentioned the good record against them and Spurs don't have a good record against them but I mean Chelsea to me are one where it's very hard to know what way their season might pan out and uh, for whatever reason like you know hasn't been an especially intimidating place to go so it's sort of like their their pre-season business or sorry their, their transfer business has been done pretty late you know it's still sort of an evolving piece really it's probably not the worst time to catch them. No, it is a good time to catch them. Uh, Havertz, I really think, is a fantastic player, but he only scored eight goals last season. He's an X-Factor player, but who's going to score them the 15 to 20 goals, as David was saying? Mm. Who's the number nine? Sterling, I love Sterling as well, but yeah, needing them all together this uh, this soon in the season, it's going to take a while, I think, for Tuchel to do that. And um, every time I pick up a, a newspaper or read an internet article, Chelsea are being associated with De Jong or Aubameyang or, or somebody else or Fafana or whoever. Um, so yeah I, I think Tuchel's a world class manager I think they'll be grand I think like obviously Bailey is splashing the cash so but maybe tomorrow might be a good time as you say Spurs have only won there once since 1990 uh, which is a horrific wow. whack word um, oh. 5 3 one, oh, 6 what about Brendan Rodgers position at Leicester will he look to get away or has he left it too late says Paul in Dublin David I do fear for Brendan um, like there's talks obviously you know of Madison and Newcastle um, like Fafana to Chelsea like Tielemans obviously wants to go because he wants to play regular Champions League football like Kasper Schmeichel leaving like the spine of that team is just being ripped out constantly and they don't seem to be signing players that you think oh like would give you a little bit of excitement like JD even listening to you speak about your beloved Spurs there I've not seen you that excited like you know that there's a such the show a ever fact. <laughs> should yeah, see him on a night a, out. It's <laughs> <laughs> such that, a feel that, good. That's factor. when Dom comes out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's going to be so, there's going to be a guy screaming in Dublin in six hours time, and there's a logo on the bus. Would you believe as well? <laughs> Not that logo on the bus story again. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Here we go. Like this, yeah. Greatest yeah, logo since Romania 1990. <laughs> there's a feel good factor, um, which is really interesting. Like how you like you're excited about Spurs. Like even. It's hard to believe that you said they've only won there once since 1990, which is remarkable. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, if you'd asked me to guess the last time, I'd have said in the last few seasons, maybe under Pochettino or something. But anyway, but Leicester, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost becoming flat and stale. Like if their players are constantly being linked away, like, you know, you're 2-0 down against Arsenal, you're thinking like, 
do I really want this? And, you know, there's still, what, uh, three weeks left in the transfer window. Players will look to get out. You know, Chelsea, obviously with Thiago Silva, um, he was limping around last week. They'll, they might push hard for Fafana. He's an exciting young player. Madison then, like I said, his head could be turned. And all of a sudden, Brendan could lose a good three, four players. Um, and even if they were to try and keep them, then you're going to have to offer them new deals to keep them happy. Um, then you're obviously hiring your, your wage budget and these players then, like Leicester pay well anyway by all accounts. So they're going to be on astronomical money. It's like, is it is it sustainable for them? I don't know. But then it's like, where does Brendan go from here? Um, obviously, he's had this stint at, you know, Liverpool. Um, you know, it's, they're a club I look at now where I just don't know. They're kind of in no man's land and they're kind of fading. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were lower half of mid-table, you know, um, outside that 10 mark. Because, you know, the players, if they look, if a couple of weeks left, they could recruit well. They could bring in some outside players. But you would worry for them. Yeah, they really threw it away against Brentford last week. I was watching that uh, highlights of that game. Um, also, Leeds have scored away to Southampton with Rodrigo on the mark uh, at St. Mary's. That's an interesting scoreline. Leeds on the cusp of possibly winning two in a row. Another one on 53106 in our text uh, service here for a cost of 30 cent. Uh, hey guys, great show today. Thank you. Uh, just wondering where you think Frankie de Jong will end up and what do you think of Barcelona's behaviour towards him, says John in Dublin. It's a very strange one because he doesn't seem like he wants to go to Man United, David. No, um, I'll start. I'll start. I think Barcelona's handling of the situation has been dreadful. Um, certainly, that stuff that's been come out there recently—that they're looking to sue him over something with the contract. Um, I've not done too too much research on it, but you know, the, the, it, it almost seems to me as if they're trying to push him out, and he doesn't want to go. Like he's playing for Barcelona, there could be a part of him. Look, I really want to be here. I really want to play. Um, that's why he, he might have been dragging his feet with Manchester United. There's talks of him being owed. I don't know. The ballpark is meant to be 15 million in wages. I don't know exactly. Um, but then, like, you see the abuse he's receiving off fans as he's driving into training. I kind of think that's unacceptable, considering he's not really done anything. Bray, Martin Braithwaite had something similar. Yeah, that was awful. Um, yeah, that was awful, considering, like, what, just because he's, he's on a few quid and they want to move him on, like... Playing for Barcelona for a lot of people is, you know, is the dream. Um, why would you want to leave? They want to obviously fight and stay there. But, like, where does De Jong end up? I don't know. Um, I don't think he'll go United. I think that saga has gone on far too long. I don't think he has any ambitions to go there. I thought maybe with um, Ericsson Hag taking over that there might have been that chemistry, that spark that could have made him come. But that's clearly not coming because... He obviously doesn't fancy United. Chelsea are another one that's been linked with. Would he go to Chelsea? Where does he fit in? They've got, you know, obviously Jorginho is a similar type player. Kovacic is another similar type player. Um, would he come in and move one of them on? I don't know. Would they look for squad debt? But then you're paying, what, 50, 60 million for a player to just be sitting on your bench who's on a lot of money. Then do they play him? They've got one more of the others on the bench. I don't know. It's an interesting one. Um, obviously, I think he'd be very good for Manchester United. I'm not sure what the problem there is um, because obviously he knows Ten Hag. So who knows? Who knows where he'll end up? I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed. Shocking stuff this weekend at Man United, isn't it? Ar- Arnadovic is not going to happen now. It would be linked with Arnadovic. Rabiot might sign. You've got the John Murphy going over to, to, like, to speak to Mer- Rabiot. Like, the, the whole thing is just... To me, it's just crumbling. 
It's I can't, I can't believe Man United are in this position they're in. Well, obviously, if you, if you look at the last 10 years, you can't believe it. But for a club of such a global stature to be in this position, uh, with the season already underway and losing the first game and going to Brentford this evening. Funny enough, funny enough Rabiot, like if you weren't, you know, Rabiot in terms of his kind of personality off the pitch and, you know, anyone who's been represented by... Uh, uh, complex mother in, in in his football dealings obviously comes with a bit of a squiggle and like you know he, he comes with the health horn and strangely enough in terms of his ability um, I think he'd be a great boost to Man United in terms of his playing ability but as you mentioned JD this is where you're at and I didn't watch the game against Brighton but by all accounts it was very apparent early on Brighton are a better team than Man United at the moment that's where we're at well, it's more like United finished second only a couple of seasons ago. Mm. Like Brighton are not a team they're going to finish second, and it's just the the the, the complete like Ericsson as a false nine. Uh, you Diego Dallo like like strolling back for Brighton second goal. It's just like the whole thing. Um, it just seems like the, the the dressing room is still ooh not in a good place, David. Um, it, when I just look at Eric Tegan Hag, and you know you're 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 the expert here. I'm not, but he just looks like to me like a guy who's a coach who is probably a very, very good coach who's been brought in to, uh, you know, f- fix a lot of the way that they play and press more. And Ronaldo obviously is not suited to that game. Um, but it, it seems like he's got a lot in his plate with transfers. A lot of the players uh, United are being linked with, he has got a past association with. And it just seems to above him, there doesn't seem to be the infrastructure to support him. No, there doesn't. And the big thing, the big thing um, with managers nowadays you know, there's always that little thing of, uh, is he a manager, is he a head coach? Certainly with the manager, you've got to manage expectations upwards. Um, and I think that's where United probably have missed the boat, kind of appointing a director of football who can manage the board and work. Like there was big talks of Van der Sar coming. Um, I don't know what happened there. Um, obviously, that's Manchester United's business. But like I, I just look at Manchester United and there's, there's far too many players that are not good enough to play for Manchester United. Um, they're on far too much money. They're tied down to long-term contracts. And they have no real desire to move on. Um, I think they're at a club that is fallen off the face of the earth, which is which is remarkable to say because Manchester United is still, to me, in my mind, is still one of the biggest clubs in the world and still has a massive draw and appeal. Um, like people listening are well aware, I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, to go and play for Manchester United in front of 80,000 people week in, week out, be loved and cherished by those fans. Like, that stuff, you know, you can only dream of. Like, you look at, you, you're speaking at Dalit. He's nowhere near good enough to play for Manchester United. Um, I Look, I stand by what I said. I know people will be quick to point out Harry Maguire is my pal because we we did play together and we're, we're good mates. But I think Harry is good enough. Um, I think his confidence is so up and down the past two seasons. He's become he's become like an ongoing meme um, online where every goal like I like I'm arguing on Twitter last week if you look at the first goal, um, Welbeck in my opinion um, and I've spoke to other coaches about it and they all agree with me uh, but then again that is the joys of Twitter like Welbeck runs off Martinez he doesn't track the run he doesn't speak to Maguire um, he's a yard too deep at the start then steps up. Welbeck's got good pace, gets in behind, then he hesitates to close him down where he should sprint, get his back to goal. But it's kind of basic errors in defending. Um, like, like you look at the left-back situation, Luke Shaw, like he had, was it uh, the Euros? It was the Euros, wasn't it? There He was fantastic. He went back to United and I don't know what's happened to him um, because I still think Luke Shaw is a very good, you know, fullback. 
Um, I think he brings an awful lot to, you know, he can bring an, an awful lot to that team. Like you're still looking at McTominay and Fred. I do like Scott. Um, I think he's industrious. I think he works really hard. Um, he just needs the simple message of to keep it easy. Don't complicate. I seen him last week trying to do flicks and back heels and that, and I'm saying that's not your game. Um, Fred, I don't know. I, I really don't. One minute he's brilliant. Next minute he can't pass a ball five yards. You look at Rashford, I don't know what's happened to him. Um, like, it looks like he's no confidence. He, he, he was a player I remember, like, I played right back a couple of times against him where he was constantly threatening me in behind, looking to run behind. Now he comes short all the time. He wants the ball to feet. Like dribbling, I, in my opinion, the hardest skill in football is to beat someone 1v1. Um, and he's lost the confidence to do that. He should be looking because he's got blistering pace to look to run in behind, cause problems. I do feel Bruno is probably doing a bit too much. He's trying to carry the, the entire team and club on his back where he's trying outrageous pass all the time. Um, I think Ericsson will help an awful lot because he has great guile and, you know, his vision and oh, his, his pass choice is nearly always accurate. You've got the dilemma with Ronaldo, um, an incredible player. There's no doubting that. Like, I think he gave them a massive lift when he came on the other day. I think Ericsson Hag has to probably rethink his approach. Of course, you know, I, I've seen him speak about where he wants to press, 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 but you can't do that with Cristiano. But what Cristiano will get you is 20 to 25 goals a season. Um, so you have to find a way to slightly adjust your style and get him in there. Another one, Jaden Sancho, 70 plus million. I think he had eight goals, five assists, something like that last season. I want more from him. He looks like he's not really too fussed. Um, probably picking up an absolute fortune. And, you know, his performance haven't been good enough. There's a whole host of problems. And there are probably 10, 10 names have gone through, but I could keep going. Like De Gea, like don't know what the story with him. Like one minute he was captain United, he, and then all of a sudden he spat his dummy out, and he was on the way out. And then he comes back and he puts in incredible performances. Um, he's hot and cold. It's like the whole thing is complete mess. And now they've obviously there's been obviously there's been a lot of talk of Sir Alex rejoining. Um, is that a good thing? I don't know. Is that a bad thing? Maybe. Like, do they need to move away from that? Um, because he will still have a huge say, a huge pull. Um, like only time will tell. Will that be a good reappointment if he if he's there? But they just like it's going to be a tough few years for United fans. They need to clear out a lot of dead wood, um, and they need to they need to sign the right players. Like I was I was thinking if 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 I was involved in the Manchester United recruitment, what player would I look at to bring in? Like the first name that actually came to mind was was like a Jared Bowen. Um, would not be a Declan Rice, no? Well, of course you'd aim for the six, but I'm also looking at realistic targets. Will Declan? Will Declan go to United? I think Declan is probably probably has one eye on Chelsea, another on Liverpool, um, and of course City will always have that interest in him. Um, I think he'll see himself going to bigger and better things than Manchester United at the moment. Like, of course, I I, I completely agree with you. They're, they're crying out for number six. Like Rabio, I wouldn't touch him. Um, like, okay, look, he's an incredible player, but it's just so much nonsense with him off the pitch. I don't think you need him. You know, when when you need players to roll their sleeves up and fight hard, I don't think Rabio's one of them types. I think 
you'd be signing the wrong player. We had it a few years ago at Hull when we signed Ben Arthur. No yeah, doubting his we, ability. We, we, we had that reason. Yeah, you yeah, told yeah. a story. But yeah. <laughs> like there's one. Like then you're talking about Arnautovic to United. Yeah. Like, give me a break. This is Manchester United we're talking about. You need to be signing. Like there was that all laughing thing about Roy when he said sign Harry Kane and people kind of laughed at him. But like it's still Manchester United. You know, like there still is a huge draw. And I stand by what I said before. Like a lot of players would still want to go and play for Manchester United. Um, and they have to, as a club, kind of stick their chest out and, and pay the money for these top, top quality players that are good. Not only the good players, but the good people. And they'll, you know, they'll help the team and they'll help the club and they'll lift the fan base. Because at the moment, like if if you're a Manchester United fan, you're looking at your club being linked at Arnautovic and Rabiot, then... I just do wonder though, like D- David would definitely know better than me in terms of the draw of Manchester United, but like, so this is the 10th season since they won the league under Ferguson, so this is the post-Ferguson era and this is the 10th season. In the other nine seasons, JD, the majority of them, they didn't even finish in the Champions League spots and they were essentially in irrelevance in the title race despite finishing second a couple of times in all those years. So the narrative of Manchester United for the last decade is that they're a team that um, struggled to get into the Champions League. Um, you know, are basically an irrelevance in the title race now, and that's what they are. They're not the team that um, you know I hated as a young kid sporting Liverpool under Alex Ferguson, who basically won every every league. And they're not the team that wants that can attract the best players anymore. Because if you that can change. Because it it's can. Man United, like Liverpool in the nineties, they're not in exactly the same position. Yeah, but it'll take it'll take a lot of time. And th- this thing, because they're Man United, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Man, it's it's a dysfunctional club under the Glazers. I think we can say that with with a reasonable degree of certainty. And the problems are so deep now that it almost feels like a waste of time just talking about them every week because we're literally bleeding our life away talking about a team that may or may not get into the Europa League next season every year. Every year it's like Man United this, Man United that, as like an ode to the people I grew up with. Well, the, the, the reality is Man United are an irrelevance now, apart from if you want to debate who may or may not get into the Europa League group stages. That's well, it. It's just, well, it's more of a, a bigger discussion about... One of the, and the, mismanagement. No, but it's a big, one of the biggest clubs in the world that won, like 13 Premier League titles under Ferguson. Mm. Uh, like They won the Champions League twice and... The fall from grace has been, and it's it's almost become comical. And even talking about it is, is quite depressing, to be honest. It is. And if you're a Man United fan, um, you must be pretty deflated about the whole buddy thing. But it's just become this entertainment brand that is going through this constant weekly crisis. And it's just hard to believe how it could get so bad. Uh, and like, 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 I think any top player would go to Man United if, if say, if they got Conte in, which they should have, and the, mm-hmm. like, not getting Conte in was like one, once again bad management from an executive level. But if they got Conte in, because they've spent over a billion quid, and if they were going to spend the money, you might be able to attract better players that will go. You know, I'll play for Conte. Harry Kane wanted to leave Spurs just over a year ago. Now they're talking about him signing a new contract, and they still haven't won any trophies. Is there a mutiny coming from the fans in terms of the ownership and what? Well, the it's already happened. Didn't happen a few months ago. It has, but like, has, has it had a major impact? Like, will there be mass protests at games? I know they You know, I think it probably is going that way. Um, it probably is. I mean, Liverpool had to suffer a long, long time in those early 90s. And I'm looking at David James on the TV today. He's 52 now. I remember David James, a young keeper. Um, and Liverpool had to come through those years where they were um, basically totally knocked off their perch by Fergie. It took them a long, long time. Um, it's not going to be an easy fix for Manchester United. And I'm genuinely not sure what draw Manchester United is to the likes of, say, Declan Rice now. Where would, would Declan Rice willy-nilly go to Manchester United? And it's, I don't think, I it think seems mad to think that, but... I don't David, know that, like, as David said, like he's probably, you know, the, the Chelsea. He's better thing, than that. The, you know, the Chelsea thing. 
I just have this feeling he might end up there because there's something about his story coming full circle mm. from being released by Chelsea as a kid and some of the influences in his life you'd imagine would be mm. probably pushing him pushing him that way but just I, I, like, I know you're friends with him David so not to sort of go into it too much but I'm even looking at the sort of the experience that Harry Maguire is having at Manchester United like booed at a pre-season tour game down in Australia or something as part of this global brand and I don't know like I kind of wonder other players are probably looking at, at players at Manchester United becoming these these memes as you say or just sort of pilloried in a particular way and I don't know it, it sort of just seems maybe another attractive experience for them they might think that at other clubs you might be you know there might be a little bit more protection from some of this sort of scrutiny that, that at Manchester United you can't escape or it seems to be that the players are at the forefront now of the um, I don't know they're getting sort of whipped from all sides yeah that's that's a big thing and like you look at Manchester City with the size of the squad they had if a player is under under a bit of stick or is not performing well Pep can just rotate them in and rotate them out like he just makes substitutes in games and or he's you know we call it Pep roulette where like you don't know what players are going to play and the problem with Manchester United is like you kind of more or less can pick your 9 or 10 even if they're not performing week in, week out, because they don't have the depth, they don't have the quality. Like, I do feel for Harry because, you know, some of his performances haven't been as bad as they've been made out. Um, But one error, like, unfortunately for him, has cost him goals at times, and it will be picked up more. But the big, you look at that team, and that is the big problem I have with, you know, certainly with um, Manchester United, is the lack of leadership. Um, certainly, you look around the change room, kind of like, have you got those, not, in, I'll use the word ego, but not in a bad way, but those leadership qualities that can, you know, pick a team up and drive it on. Obviously, there was there was massive calls towards the back end of the season. You know, the captain should have been taken off with Maguire and it should have been given to Ronaldo. Is Ronaldo the right type of character um, to be captain? Look, He's one of the best players that's ever played the game. Um, he's a very selfish individual. I've no problem with that. That's why he scored 800 plus goals in his career. Um, but is he the right type? Like, obviously, there was all talks when he took over and people were admiring the way he works before training, after training, how he eats, his diet, you know, everything. He mightn't He mightn't be a great captain. I don't know. Um, I've not been in and around him to know. Like, certainly with Portugal, yes, he's captain, but you're also playing with a group of your countrymen who are all there for one objective to represent your country, it's quite easy to follow his lead that way because you only meet up, what, four or five times a season. Um, it, it is a massive thing. I use Liverpool. Like, you look at their their team, Alisson, good guy. Then you've got, right, you've got Robertson, captain of Scotland, Van Dijk, captain of the Netherlands. You've got Milner, vice captain, who i say if you spoke to anyone in football wouldn't say he's a bad person. Um, you've got Henderson, who's obviously captain of Liverpool. Salah's captain of Egypt, they've they're they've got a whole host of captains and you know good good quality leaders in that change room. That's the big thing I look at United. Who's gonna drag them when it's down? Like they're crying out, like as we touched on JD touched on there a six, they're crying out for a Roy Keane. That's what they're that type of player and that type of leader to inspire the players that will take no nonsense. Because some of the stuff those Manchester United players get away with is mind boggling. They think you are blessed to be paid week out, week in, week out to play football as a career, but to turn in some of those performances and and to give off that illusion that you don't really care. Like that's the that's the frustrating thing I look at when I look at Manchester United because 
you are very privileged. You need to, you know, you know, knuckle down and put it put a shift in. Five three one zero six. Sean says, "Hi lads, the problem with United is they keep picking terrible managers. Klopp, Conte, Pep, Tuchel would sort mm-hmm. them out in six weeks. They wouldn't though. It's not. It's not as simple as that because the dressing room is 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 kind of half toxic, and there are so, they've so many. There's so many players short, and it's not complex in terms of. Sorry, it's not straightforward in terms of the ownership. So no, like Jesus himself couldn't go in there. Not the player, but Jesus himself couldn't go in there and turn it around overnight. It's not a yeah, water and wine situation. <laughs> it's not. It's 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 a club that like it, it's going to take a long for him, time. Actually, on reflection. Mm. Yeah. Jesus would probably yeah. turn it down as well. Actually. Well, I think to me it's so hot now we're we'll turning the water, wine into water this evening. To be honest, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> five three one zero six. Remember, lads, Liverpool ended up at the steps of the High Court, saved at the eleventh hour from oblivion. That's how bad it can get for Man United. I'm a Liverpool fan, but it really could get much worse than it gets better but, for United. J- J- JD, can I make a point there? Right, like Johnny, you touched on Conte, right? And JD, you're a Spurs fan. You'll be closer on the pulse with more than I will. The big thing Spurs fans all wanted was Conte to be backed. And Conte has this thing where I have full control of everything. That's his big thing and that's always been Conte's thing. If I think if he had gone into United and was given full control of everything, he'd have tidied that mess up. I really do. Because he sets standards and you can see that there. There was talks of Ten Hag with his rules and his discipline and what he wanted. But like, the great point is Harry Kane wanted out. They brought in a world-class manager and he's gone, here, pal, you're going nowhere and this is, we're going to do things my way and you're going to benefit. You know, you're going to benefit from it. I think if he'd gone into United, I think there was a big thing of Neville saying it wasn't the right fit. But who is the right fit for Manchester United? And I think a manager like Conte would have gone in and sorted that entire mess out. I really do. Uh, Leeds have scored again. Second goal at Southampton, which um, has come from the Rodrigo score the first one and the second one has come from Rodrigo so two goals for him today and Arsenal now 3-1 up against Leicester so Leicester pull one back a Saliba own goal but uh, the third goal has come from Granit Xhaka uh, has scored for Arsenal so they're set for their second win in a row it's Brighton nil, Newcastle nil, uh, Manchester City 3 Bournemouth nil, and Wolves nil, Fulham nil in the Championship it ended earlier on Cardiff won Birmingham nil. latest scores Blackpool nil, Swansea nil. it is one all between Huddersfield and Stoke Hull to Norwich nil, Luton nil, oh, Preston one. Uh, good stuff for Hull. Uh, Millwall two, Coventry two, uh, Rotherham four, Reading nil, Sunderland two, QPR nil, Wigan one, Bristol City one, and in Scotland Rangers are leading against St Johnston by two goals to nil now. Aberdeen two, Motherwell three, an exciting game at Pataudry. Livingston one, Hibernian one, and St Mirren one, Ross County nil. And you're right, David. Like Antonio Conte said to Reguilón, Lo Celso. And Dombele, who's the record spur signing, and Harry Winks, you're not coming on the tour of South Korea, you're out of the club. Now, it's harsh for them as individuals and as humans, but you're gone, and that's the way it is. And um, they're, It's they're- funny, we, we, we might have a chat at the end about the League of Ireland, but uh, Damien Duff is, um, we, we, we might tease it going into the... Into the break, yeah. Yeah, if... if um, if you kind of tell a player something that you're getting rid of, just might come back to bite you in the ass, and it did for him last night. Yeah, um, Ryan Brennan was it? <laughs> um, it's it's quite a funny story actually. Like the, the implication being, and I obviously wasn't part of the discussion, but the implication being that Ryan Brennan said he was called upon, called out by somebody who played at a high level as to. Um, I think the implication was that his physique wasn't good enough, so he celebrated in a particular manner after getting an absolute worldly of a goal last night. It was a real goal that you'd rarely. See See, in terms of the technique of hitting the ball into the ground from like 20 yards almost but um, Damien Duff didn't enjoy it I think 
OK, well, Bernard Finglas, to bring us to the break, has texted in to say, news talk, the Lord does not need football. So we're yes, going to be back with a bit of chat with David Myler, <laughs> Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward after this. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. Andrew, welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you to five on Football Saturday with uh, Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent and Johnny Ward, the broadcaster and journalist in studio and David Myler, the former Republic of Ireland international on the line. Now ahead of our Cabri FC Roadshow next Wednesday, August 17th, we're going to be deciding the top five most influential Irish players in both the men's and the women's game. A reminder, tickets for the show in Virka Street are on sale now. Ticket proceeds will go towards supporting Irish women's grassroots football. See otbsports.com forward slash events for T's and C's and more see you on the night so 53106 for any text messages you have Arsenal 4 Leicester 2 now so it was 2-0 uh, at the break and James Madison pulled one back for Leicester but Gabriel Martinelli has made it 4-2 for Arsenal the points look safe at the Emirates Aston Villa 2 Everton 1 earlier on uh, Brighton nil, Newcastle nil is the latest score 79 minutes on the watch at the Amex Manchester City 3 Bournemouth nil. Uh, Southampton won Leeds 2 so the Saints pulled one back at St Mary's uh, Rodrigo scoring both goals for Leeds with uh, Joe Aribo scoring now for Southampton Wolves nil, Fulham nil as latest score Brentford and Manchester United kick off at half past five and in the championship latest scores Blackpool nil, Swansea nil, Huddersfield 1 Stoke 1 Hull 2 Norwich 1 uh, Luton nil, Preston 1 Millwall 2 Coventry 2 uh, Rotherham 4 Reading nil, Sunderland 2 QPR nil. And Wigan won, Bristol City won. I should mention Will Keane has scored the right. goal for Wigan in that game. So um, Will Keane hasn't, to be honest, hasn't done particularly well in his Irish caps. But um, I did hear he played quite well last week too. So okay. he seems to he set start, up uh, McLean's goal. Yeah, he's, um, I was I was speaking to someone who saw that game and, and they were impressed. So. Um, Seems to have started the championship season well anyway, and he's not really had a run at that level before. But um, yeah, just needs to bring that to Ireland. The one thing I wanted to mention as well, this was David's on the line as well. Um, it does seem Robbie Brady's back uh, enjoying his football again. He's playing for Preston, um, having having sort of dropped off the map a bit, and and it's sort of a very stop start couple of years. But he seems to be playing quite well for Preston today, and it it would be good, David. Like you've you've played with him, you know him extremely well. If he could, if he could just get back playing football again and have a real proper season uninterrupted, and and you know he's still only thirty, you know it's not as if he's he's done for here. Yeah, that's the big thing for Robbie. Um, I actually, when was it? The start of the summer, I met him in the airport. I was over coaching in Ireland and Robbie was over visiting family or whatever and we had a good chat and I'm just desperate for him to you know, have a have a season where he's injury free. Um, there's no there's no doubting Robbie's ability, his set piece delivery, everything. Um, you look at the years before the Euros, certainly the Euros tournament. Um, Robbie was exceptional for Ireland and He's just been very unfortunate with injuries, very stop-start. He just couldn't get himself going at Burnley, even then at Bournemouth. He wasn't, you know, fully right, but you're just kind of hoping now, obviously, he's based up in the Manchester area. Um, Preston's not too far, so they'd be nicely settled there. Um, and Preston has always had this, you know, I've always heard from the outside, it's got a real good, you know, family feel in the club, with certainly with the players. Um, so I'm just hoping he stays injury-free and, you know, plays a lot of games, because that will only be good for Robbie. 4-0 town to uh, Man City against Bournemouth. Bernardo Silva, it seems, has got it. Yeah, it's a messy yeah. one. I thought there might be a, a VAR for maybe a potential offside, but but possibly not. Um, more of an own goal, I think, actually. Right. 
Yeah, I think it was more of an own goal. And you were only talking, you were talking about fantasy football in the... the yeah, one. yeah. Yeah. Just let you know, uh, Alexander Mitrovic has missed a penalty, by the way, um, for Ooh. Fulham against Wolves. Goal is there. Yeah, it could have been up to two goals or three goals already, which would be mad. Yeah. Go on, David, sorry. Fantasy football. Yeah, we were just um, uh, kind of uh, maybe thinking about it as a topic because uh, it is, I, I don't play it myself. I don't know about you, Dan and Johnny, but uh, it, it, it's so popular. David, are you somebody that is invested in this at all? Oh, David's oh. gone. Probably play fancy football. <laughs> he's, he's checking his team scores. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll I used to play it. I used to. I used to do. I actually just. Robbie stopped. Earl was a good call back in the day. Oh no! Like back yeah. in the day, I would have. I've done it all the time. Just personally, myself in recent seasons, I found that. I just I'd keep missing these deadlines for uh, game weeks and just get frustrated and uh, just be quite competitive. So I just think what's like the Robbie Earl? Like just Robbie Earl was one of these um, when he was at Wimbledon. He was like an underrated. Yeah, scored loads he was of probably goals. like one point one million or something in yeah. the day. Um, he used to do it in the paper. Like that was the thing in the start. Like the the where fantasy football started. Dan know? is too humble to mention this, but he actually ran a fantasy football competition in the League of Ireland way before it was oh, popular. God, yeah. And we used to have disputes over whether a player was a defender or a midfielder and practically fell out over it I think but I do remember it's a different life I do remember a friend it's of mine falling out of all these years later yeah in, in, I think uh, this is probably about 15 years ago but I remember I, I was the exact same as Dan I'd, I'd entered the fantasy football but because my life is utterly chaotic I'd keep forgetting to um, update at the weekend and then when my friend told me how he'd gone into an internet cafe whilst on holiday somewhere in Europe to change his fantasy football team I was like well I'm never going to be at that level so I just gave up uh, 53106 you've written off Eric Ten Hag after one game well done lads absolute waffle says Andrew I don't think we did to be honest Andrew I just think we just said look he's got a lot written of off fight. Andrew after that message in anyway um, no I think no, we appreciate every message we do even, yeah, I, even I, the ones that are critical so, some, coming, some interesting ones coming in say, no I think in fairness Andrew it, we're, nobody's writing, <laughs> writing him off um, it's the fact that I think he's in, he's in an extremely do- tough job and the artillery isn't there at the moment with the players so if he if they want to back Ten Hag I think it's going to take some time yeah, uh, Greta was in touch on 53106 saying, Johnny, that you're very dapper on the TV and uh, you're glad to see you had no beard because uh, Greta doesn't like beards anyway. So the, I was wondering where she'd gone with all the climate change chat, but it's good uh, to see she's still around. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I have no idea what that's about. So anyway, we'll move swiftly on. Uh, David, David Myler, fantasy football, are you, are you a, a disciple of oh, this? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm big in it, JD. I'm big in it. Um, all the lads now be watching, but all my buddies back home, um, who I grew up with and all that, we play. And um, there's a famous takeaway in Cork, KC's. Um, whoever comes last must buy everyone KC's. We play 50 euro man. There's 14 of us. Um, the winner gets um, 6.75. Second gets 3.75. Third gets their money back. It's with a WhatsApp group. It's like I even a few years ago I bought a little trophy. Um, it's serious stuff, lads. Serious stuff. Um, we love it. Like I, I'm, I'm looking at the telly there when I cut off. It's probably because I was going to swear because I saw Haaland had gone off. I've got him captain in my fantasy team. Oh, yeah. um, it's, it, it brings a different buzz to it. Um, the football. Like I was never really involved in it when I played. We did have we did have a league which was. You know, which used to be just the players only, but then we used to have rules that you couldn't have any player in your team if you were playing against that team, um, because then you know there would always be those question marks: Are you are you leaving player score there because you've got them captain of your fantasy or something? Um, but it's serious, serious. We we love it. Um, I think it's brilliant. Everyone I know plays it. And we've great crack. Like I heard, I heard there was a great one. Um, a group of lads in Cork. I don't know who they are. It was just one of the lads in our group knows them. But their punishment. 
um, whoever comes last must get on a bus from Cork to Galway. Um, Johnny, you might be able to tell me, but there's a kind of a famous area or statue or something. He must take a photo there and post into WhatsApp group and get the bus home if you come last. Oh yeah, that's yeah the little guy near Square. Um, I forget his name actually, um, but yeah, I, I uh, not you, Johnny, is it? No, no. Um, <laughs> I, 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 my, do you know one of my memories is? When, when, do you remember in '94, '95, Man United beat Ipswich nine 0 Yeah, yeah. And so, so I, it was a real issue for me to have a Man United player on my team because I despised them. But I, what would have been like, you know, you know, all's fair in love and war. I had Andrei Kincelskis on my team. And I was like, okay, well, at least like Man United won nine 0 This is grim, but at least Kincelska. So he didn't even get an assist. I was like, what? <laughs> Seriously? Like, I think I, I I slowly lost the will to do fantasy football after that. There's probably scope for League of Ireland one, Dan. Is there nowadays? Uh, yeah. Listen, bung a few quid out of it. As in, make, make, it, make, it, make a few quid out of it, like, no, listen, you, franchises. Your entrepreneurial streak just instantly kicks in there, Johnny. That's all you're thinking. All I've often thought, I, somebody I said to think me, about getting back into it this year. In the Premier League? Just to, to be honest, to educate yourself mm. about some of the players at some of the teams. Like, last year, you'd be looking at sort of Watford. It's like, I'm not even sure. You know the way to do that without, uh, is lineups. Lineups is the way to do that. Yeah. You're, you're a line-out student, Jitty. Yeah, I do lineups probably five hours a week it takes me to do the lineups. Mm. I do them on Mondays. Um, but you really get a, a good sense just of to get a sense because there's, there's so much comings and goings but particularly with some of the clubs like Watford when they're there or even Fulham like there's just so many ins and outs that you're, you're trying to remember where players are sometimes and like that is like maybe but, the fantasy football I find when you're doing it and following yeah. it you're actually really on top oh. of, of like every player in the in the league really you know and that's possibly one reason I was half thinking of getting back into it I assume you can empathise with that David you can sort of you can you can wax lyrical on maybe players that you wouldn't be paying attention to otherwise maybe. Yeah, ways. but you look at look the majority of people have Jesus because you know he's going to play the majority of games for Arsenal. Like today, he's got two goals, two assists. He'll get a little bonus, three points. Like you're looking kind of going, oh, like Haaland, captain, only has the one assist, hasn't scored. You're looking at City at home. Like then you've got like the, always the big turnout is do you have Salah captain or do you have Haaland captain? But then... Pep Roulette because he chops and changes his team. There's times when I've had Mares and he wouldn't play games for two or three weeks. And then you have Foden and he doesn't play. And it's like you do get a real sense of like what's going on um, of teams. Like you said, you're always looking for that golden nugget of a player who does Robbie play for... <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? Do you even remember? Go. Do you even remember Robbie Earl? Do. do you remember his yeah, TV of days? I do. Yeah. I, no, I remember Robbie Earl playing for Wimbledon. Mm. He's not I, born. Like he's I not say, a millennial, John. <laughs> like he's not born in two thousand or something like that. You know, it's just like. It's yeah. Just, do you know what? Do you know what? It's slightly off topic, but just for that, um, Roy Roy Keane was kind enough to come in to speak to the Ireland Seventeens uh, for me uh, when we were based in Cork before our preparation games. Um, I just asked him to kind of come in and have a chat. But he was talking to the young kids about players and whatever. And I was looking after, like, saying, do these players, like, all these kids would have been born in probably um, 2005-ish. But they, they they hadn't heard of half the players. Like, like uh, somebody said, somebody asked Roy the question of what player do you like watching the most at the moment? Um, and he says, I'm a big fan of Verratti. And I like watch him. And a couple of heads turned like, mm. <laughs> I was there kind of going, like, you should love your craft. Like I, I love like my wife knows Sundays. Like if the football's on, I'm sitting down. Like last weekend, I sat down and watched both games. And her family are all Man City supporters, so I don't really mind because she'll watch the City games. But I sit down and watch all football. Um, 
I love it. Yeah, you've, oh. a, you've an understanding wife. But I, I think the Roy Keane thing, I, I brought that point up before. Most players now, like or a lot of the young players, they have no recollection of Roy Keane playing. So he's he's not the player that's belonged to that different era that we were in. Do you know what I mean? But it's funny, uh, Adam O'Reilly, who plays for St. Pat's. Who great chances he, the other night. He had great chances in the European game the other night. But he's from Cork, so maybe it's a little bit different. But I, we, we were interviewing him earlier this season and someone pointed out that he's a midfielder from Cork and he's wearing number 16. What's mm. that about? And he sort of made a reference that there was a keen thing to it. He's like, yeah, he's my favourite player. But then you're sort of looking at him. He was born in 2001. So like, you know, Keane retired in 2006. So Adam O'Reilly was like, whatever, five, like five, six. <laughs> but clearly the legend of Keane is yeah. such that like he, he, you know, he saw the clips, the videos, whatever, that it's possible. Like you'll, you'll have people who like idolise, you know, Patini or, you know, whoever it might be, Maradona. Yeah, Maradona, Maradona. A lot yeah. of people would be mad on Maradona, yeah. but actually don't ever recall seeing him live themselves. You know? uh, five, three, one, and six, Park, go I'll just read this out. Park O'Connor is that true? Park O'Connor, yeah. Head up to Supermax Air Square after nightclubbing in Salt Hill, kiss Park, then jump in the fountain nearly every Saturday. <laughs> Sounds like a normal Galway thing in terms. Uh, off the ball, lads, would Roy Keane or could he make a good job of managing Man U? I'd say he'd make a fair job of straightening them out. Any views as Richie and I'd like to see him manage somewhere. I don't think he'll be Man United. I'd love to see him back in the League of Ireland. Just like to see him giving it one more go. Uh, with with a good assistant manager, I think that's the key with Roy. You're going to Ferencvaros at Rovers on Thursday. I am, yeah. Like it's um I mean it's a it's a great tie for Shamrock Rovers because they don't have the all or nothing sort of pressure hanging on it. It's not like uh, winner bust in this tie, which often this playoff round, it's like you you get into group stage football or you don't, whereas they have it in the back pocket now. Um, so they're in a, a great position. Like it's a tie against the sort of a proper, you know, decent sized European club who've been at sort of good group stage level, have had a bit of a revival in, in, in recent seasons. And I mean, financially, there's not a huge difference between the sort of the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. But obviously, the Europa League draw, you're in, I think, half of the top, like four of the eight top seeds in the Europa League are Manchester United, Arsenal, Roma, Lazio. So there's obviously more prestige in that competition and more scope. But if it doesn't work out for them against Ferenc Varus, they're in the Conference League groups, which gives them great opportunities maybe to taste some more points and you know you know get some wins on the board or draws on the board at a very good level so it's a, it's a free shot for them in a way and I think uh, I think it'll be a good tie I think it'll be an enjoyable one just got to break away for the moment uh, to go to Galgorm Castle for the latest from the ISPS Hand of World Invitational Women's Golf Tournament our reporter up there in County Antrim is Ashleen O'Reilly Yes, John, we're on the home stretch here at the Galgorm Castle. It's been an exciting day. Conditions are extremely hot with a breeze slightly picking up here in County Antrim. USA's Amanda Doherty takes the lead on 12 under, closely followed by England's Georgia Hall in second position on 11 under, hitting three birdies, two bogeys and an impressive eagle on the ninth. Sweden's Maya Stark has jumped up to third position on 10 under, hitting an eagle on the 11th hole. Ireland's Leona Maguire is currently on hole 17, sitting in 16th position on 5 under, not the round three performance the Cavan woman would have hoped for. She did start today positively with birdies on the first and third hole. Things took a turn when she bogeyed the fourth and fifth and then double bogeyed the sixth. She picked things back up and birdied the tenth, but again bogeyed the eleventh and fourteenth. I'm sure it's quite a frustrating one for Maguire at the moment as she heads towards the final two holes of the day here at the ISBS Handa World Invitational. Okay, thanks, Ashley. A frustrating night for Pats as well as your nice. <laughs> it was a mad game, JD. Like, 
as I said earlier, it was played, it was like you were on holidays, unbelievable atmosphere. The Pats fans were great. Like CSK Sofia, this legendary club, and they were they went one up from a set piece, but they were completely on the rope second half. I mean, they were basically sitting back, Pats had all the pressure. Referee did not have a good night. Uh, Romanian referee gave this, I thought it was a bit of a mad decision, gave a handball, and the whole thing completely unraveled for Pats thereafter, but they look at it as an opportunity lost, because uh, I think they were enjoying their stint in Europe. Obviously, it would have been a massive, massive step for them to win the next tie and get into the group stages, but this was a good spell for Pats in Europe. Really enjoyable night. Uh, it was great to see European uh, football in in, uh, in Dublin to the extent that it is, and great that we'll see it maybe in the Viva Stadium, depending on what uh, group Rovers end up in um, in due course, but uh, it was a really enjoyable night, but uh, a mad game, and Pats will have massive regrets you know on today's show we've been giving you the chance to win a pair of tickets to our Cabri FC road show at Vicar Street in Dublin on Wednesday next August 17th Michael Owen Ian Wright Emma Byrne and Karen Carney are guests on the night for the exclusive off-air event tickets available at otbsports.com forward slash events earlier on we asked you the following question Michael Owen ran from the halfway line for England to score at the 1998 World Cup against which team of course it was Argentina Congratulations to Andy Byrne and Baldoyle in Dublin who answer that correctly and wins the pair of tickets for Wednesday night. Have a great night, Andy. So, the match is coming to a close in the Premier League. Uh, it has finished Aston Villa 2, Everton 1. Latest scores in injury time, Arsenal 4, Leicester 2. It is Brighton 0, Newcastle 0, Man City 4, Bournemouth 0. Southampton 2, Leeds 2, Carl Walker-Peters is equalised for Southampton who were 2-0 down. It is Wolves nil, Fulham nil, Brentford and Man United kick off at half past five. And also we have in the Championship, lots of scores coming in from there as well. Uh, earlier on we saw a result in there, with, which is a win for Cardiff. Just going to go through the teams here for Man United, David De Gea in goal, Maguire, Martinez, Dallo and Shaw. So same back four as last week, Bruno Fernandes, Christian Eriksen and Fred. And Ronaldo does start for Man United with Rashford and Sancho in the forward positions. Uh, for Brentford, Rea in goal, Hickey, Henry, Me, and Janssen. Uh, Norgaard, Jensen and Roslev. Uh, Josh De Silva who scored last week, Ivan Tony and Brian Mbumo. So there are the lineups for the game at half past Five, uh, David Myler, you're looking forward to Liverpool again. Uh, Crystal Palace on Monday, they think they'll do it? Yes, I do, JD. I'd expect them to beat everyone. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Obviously, you know, P- Palace has always been one of those tough teams to play against, regardless if you're home or away. Um, but look, I did two performances from the Community Shield to Fulham chalk and cheese so I'm expecting a bounce back from Liverpool I'm expecting high energy you know take the game to them imagine the pitch will be nice nicely watered um, and the ball will be zipping about so I'm expecting Liverpool to win comfortably Alright David thanks very much for today Cheers gents and David Myler there a bit of kicking off there at Man City uh, New, uh, Bournemouth Yeah I'm not sure what's going on there was a bad tackle in the first half that Pep uh, from a Bournemouth player that City were unhappy about but I'm not sure if that's what's it's not quite the, the Pat Sophia brawl of the other night in terms of that level. There's no red cards being flashed out. But um, yeah, it's a bit of bad blood, all right. OK, Man City beating Bournemouth by four goals to nil. Brighton nil, Newcastle nil, Arsenal. That's a result, by the way. Arsenal four, Leicester two in stoppage time. Southampton two leads to Wolves nil, Fulham nil. Dan and Johnny, thanks so much for this okay. afternoon. Great chat. Appreciate you being in as always. Cardiff won Birmingham nil was a result from the championship. Uh, game has finished Rotherham 4 Reading nil and Sunderland 2 QPR 2. Wigan won Bristol City 1 is the latest score. Blackpool nil Swansea 1 a latest. All these scores are latest as well. Huddersfield 3 Stoke 1 Hull 2 Norwich 1 and Luton nil Preston 1 and Millwall 3 Coventry 2 and in Scotland uh, in the Premiership Rangers beat St Johnston 4-0 St Mirren 1 Ross County is nil is the latest score and two results that oh, by the way has just gone full time 2 
two latest uh, scores are now results and now the other matches have finished as well Aberdeen 2 Motherwell 3 as a result and Livingston 2 Hibernian 1 that is your lot thanks so much for listening this afternoon folks don't forget off the wall back tomorrow 1-7 to 7 here on News Talk Joe Malloy in the chair we got two live and exclusive Premier League commentaries to bring you Richie McCormack and Brian Kerr bringing you the call on Nottingham Forest match against West Ham that kicks off at 2 then Stephen Doyle and Vinnie Perth describing the half-war kickoff between Chelsea and Spurs all on the FM also the Sunday pay-per-view across our digital and social channels from half 11 with Kieran Shannon and Timmy McCarthy so be sure to join us tomorrow for some great commentaries and conversation if you missed any of the Saturday panel on running a marathon with Sonia Sullivan Katrina McKiernan Mick Lossie and our own Kieran Cuddy here or any of OTB Football Saturday with David Myler Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward you can find the podcasts of the content on the OTB Sports app or listen back wherever you get your pods thanks so much for listening to us on your radio today we'll speak soon bye bye Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports